Online communities, classroom culture, and personal relationships have something in common. Whether it's forming a strong emotional bond, feeling included and accepted, or having an attachment to others, feeling like we belong makes us happy. Ever wonder why? Join me, Dr. Eileen Winokur, for my bi-weekly podcast, Journeys to Belonging, as I discuss my personal and professional experiences with belonging and interview educators and others as they share their stories of belonging. At the end of every episode, I'll offer advice about how we can all feel like we belong. everybody and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. On this episode, I have a guest who I don't really know that well yet, but I just, he piqued my interests online with a couple of uh, his tweets, uh, his positivity, um, supporting educators and just supporting everybody. And I said, I need to get to know him better. And so I reached out and I was really lucky because Justin Nolan said, yes, I'd love to be on your podcast. And I so appreciate that, Justin. Thank you so much for saying yes. Happy to be here. I appreciate you having me on the show. Anytime to be able to connect with other educators or people that like supporting other people's goals is something that I really appreciate. So thank you. Yeah, that's, that's great. So I didn't really say much of anything about you. So Please tell our listeners a little bit more about you and your background. Sure. Um, one of the things that I'll preface with is that 2020, my word of the year, has been clarity. Because uh, as a creative educator, I find that I can go in so many different directions that oftentimes the content that I put out or the messages I'm sharing are confusing, right? Um, and I think there's a big push in the world of online business and social media to really niche down and have a clear niche. So I've struggled with that over the years, being able to be fully myself, which is random and shares a lot of different ideas versus having some clarity. So I'm getting better at this. Um, but essentially, uh, the way that I like to describe what I do is I'm a teacher by trade and vocation. Uh, and professionally speaking, I uh, teach high school grades 14 to 24 in what's called care and treatment schools here in Ontario, Canada. And, um, but that vocation carries me into what some might consider a side hustle or the online business work that I do. And I like to teach through podcasting, blogging, and vlogging uh, all across those platforms and across my day job with the idea of helping people learn to follow their dreams, not in a woo-woo-y, esoteric sort of way, but being very pragmatic about it and helping them put steps and systems in place to achieve those goals. Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. And we'll get into some of that uh, because I, I've, uh, I've looked on your website and read back to some of your other tweets and gotten to know you a little bit better just for some background. Um, so Justin, the first question I like to ask all my guests is, if I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging to you, um, what, what would be the first things that would come to mind? 
I think one of the, if I picked a word, which might be neat, is the idea of hope and how um, for so many people who struggle with uh, goal setting or uh, achieving things academically or even in terms of their own uh, emotions and mental health, um, having a sense of belonging, no matter how small or big, gives people hope uh, that, that things can uh, really become more positive for them and they can feel more successful and build confidence. Uh, when I think of belonging as well, I go uh, right to the concepts of attachment theory uh, when it comes to parenting or being a teacher. Uh, I can't think of any better thing to focus our time on than helping people develop uh, attachments to their sort of authority figures, their, their leadership figures, their mentors, their role models, whether that's parents or teachers. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that in this current time, you know, I'm sure you like your podcast to be evergreen, but um, the idea that COVID it has really changed the way that we have to approach a lot of things in different parts of the world should be a time to reevaluate what our priorities are. And I think making people feel like they belong should be our number one goal in everything we do. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, I mean, I started on this journey, like I had mentioned before we started recording about a year ago, just looking at my own life and why I felt comfortable in Buffalo, New York, where I grew up and also in Kuwait, where I've lived for over 35 years. And that sort of transitioned as we went into COVID and all this, this, uh, everything that's been going on in terms of education and everything else, because it's such a traumatic situation. And so it started thinking and learning a little bit more about belonging. So, but that's really interesting that the word hope that comes to mind, you're, you're my first guest that mentioned that. And I hadn't ever made that connection, but it's so true. And the way you couched it is really, really important is that, if we look at belonging, if we have that belonging, we have that sense of belonging, we really feel like we have that hope for the future. Um, and it's really hard to have if we don't feel that um, secure network around us. Um, so I wanted to ask you just to get into your background and the work that you do. Your current work is in mental health area, needs support. Um, so what does that look like in practice? What are the kinds of things that you do? And um, has the current situation, which I imagine it has, but has the current situation changed what you do or changed the way you do it? In terms of the day job of being a teacher? Yeah. Um, before I forget, you'll have to remind me someday to talk about Kuwait offline because my roommate from college was from Kuwait, born and raised and came here to Canada. Uh, so that's kind of the interesting opposite. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, um, when it comes to teaching for us, um, like most teachers, we're part of a union. So as a collective agreement, when a decision gets made to have teachers removed from the classroom, we fall into the group of we're going to be removed as well too. Uh, Um, But to put some context into um, how it looks for us, our classroom max sizes are eight. And even a classroom of eight to to 12, which would be like the absolute max, um, 
is pretty high. Like our classrooms have very, very small uh, sizes. Some of them are even bedside one-to-one. A lot of our classrooms end up being one-to-one scenarios. So in terms of ratios around coronavirus or legalities with uh, public health, in theory, we could have probably kept teaching but because we're part of a collective agreement, you know, and we're all teachers, we left the classroom too. And so our teaching has been online to the best of our abilities throughout. Uh, the, if coronavirus impacted any um, classrooms at all, I would say that ours were impacted very highly to the point where a lot of our students just didn't access school since uh, March to wow. now. Um, but because of the schools that I work in, the focus is um, on the things that you've brought up in terms of sense of belonging and attachment. And they have practitioners and professionals who are supporting them with those goals Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the whole time anyways, right? And so they've really tried to double down and and focus on that stuff because our students haven't left. Like they're in hospitals or jails or addictions facilities, crisis units. For them in terms of their day-to-day, they haven't left our teachers haven't been able to go see them, which is too bad. Um, Now, while I say that, there have been a lot of really big success stories where teachers have done an unbelievable job. They've worked really hard to uh, teach through things like Zoom or Google Classroom and create those sort of asynchronous opportunities as well as some live moments to get in and work with them. So it's been pretty good as far as kind of making the best out of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So before, let's talk then a little bit before, what what would your day have looked like? Um, You would have obviously been going into those facilities, possibly one-on-one. And what are the kinds of things that you do to support these very at-risk students? Yeah. So my personal position, uh, and I'm of, of the 50 teachers we have, I'm the only one who does this role. It's um, cooperative education and experiential learning. So my goal always is to connect with these youth, build trust and support them in identifying what goals they have. And then either getting out into the community to practice these goals. Um, so getting them job interviews, jobs, and going and visiting them in the workplace. Sometimes I'll support in the workplace the entire time. If it's somebody who's like very anxious, we may have them working in say a department store or a restaurant every Wednesday morning for two hours. And I'll go for those entire two hours. And through gradual release, maybe I'll get to the point where I can go elsewhere in the mall and grab a coffee and come back and visit them. And just trying to, for all of them, uh, pave the way to getting out into the community and working and involving themselves in, um, I I guess, being able to contribute to society and feeling confident in the workplace because a lot of our youth aren't going back to a regular high school. Um, You know, they may go back to an alternate situation or they may do some online learning themselves, but in many cases they're going straight to the workplace. And so it's helping make that connection for them. Uh, A lot of times they can't even leave. So in, for example, um, one of our units, they always stay uh, pretty specifically three months. It's three month stays and that's for severe addictions. So um, they're trying to get to that recovery stage. 
So in that instance, I go and work with them and do the opposite. So what that will look like is I may meet with them a couple times a week, go over goals, um, set sort of a vision for what they want to do when they leave, but then I'll bring opportunities in. So if their interest is to, um, a really good example from this past year was to uh, do nail art super passionate about wanting to go work in a nail salon, one day open her own salon. So we, I brought in kind of guest speakers, mentors, and content. You know, we could watch other people on YouTube talk about starting new businesses, that kind of thing. And then got very specific. We spent about $100 and got a bunch of nail art stuff. And then she was able to go around and the other 10 students do their nails for the three months that she was there. Build a business plan, all these things, so that when she leaves, she's well on her way. Um, both in confidence and having practiced, not having to like play catch up to, to get back into that sort of real world, as we might put it. Um, So without, you know, going through unit by unit, because Mm -hmm. we have jails too, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Hospitals, it looks very different at each unit. But the idea is either getting them into the community or bringing the community to them or a combination of it with the number one goal to do experiential learning, which also gets their high school credits done. And uh, yeah, and then the last thing I'll say about that is that I I really focus on identifying what their true interests and passions are, which takes us probably a few sessions because you're breaking down a lot of Mm -hmm. barriers and removing a lot of the um, things that have gotten in the way in terms of them having confidence to even pursue those passions. They think it's unrealistic, right? Right, right, yeah. And and possibly even have had people in their lives telling them that they can't do it, they shouldn't do it, they're not right for it or whatever. So overcoming those kinds of ideas about themselves that they've built up because they have those ideas, but other people have also contributed to that. So. Yeah, that's, that's really amazing work. And so um, you mentioned a, a couple of things, the connection that you make with them, which is the trust that they begin to, to uh, establish with you, and also the consistency that you have with them, and creating those safe spaces, especially if they're going out into the work world. All of those things are just so important for them to even think about even start to get that self-confidence right for sure i think one of the interesting things about that is that it's underrated in terms of how quickly it can happen too um i can't count the number of times that i've gotten you know a a call from a a parent or a teacher who says well i don't think my student's ready for this and my mindset is that every student's ready for it like in the sense that um and, and i work like to put context to that like work with youth who um, are maybe freshly serving or waiting sentencing for like homicide or manslaughter or um, people with severe uh, suicidal homicidal tendencies or, or mm-hmm. schizophrenia, like very severe uh, addictions too. like, uh, you know, uh, nearly died from overdose. And I'm just meeting them very soon after like these very, very as close as it gets to end of life scenarios. Yeah. And because of the approach that I take focusing on trauma-informed teaching, yeah. I, can, I can do that the first day afterwards. And you, if you have the intuition to, to know how to build trust with youth and um, 
then it can happen very quickly and they can feel safe and confident in taking their next steps. Um, sometimes it does take a little while, but you know, going and not focusing on opening a textbook or giving them a worksheet to fill out or asking them a bunch of questions, yeah. but going and like, you know, you can figure out pretty quickly that they like painting. And so maybe you end up, you know, they don't know it's head fake learning, but all of a sudden the two of us are painting something. And then from them, wow. right? I think that's the most important thing when it comes to building trust in an trauma-informed yeah. way is that they drive everything. Yes. But very quickly, youth open up and start driving. Mm -hmm. um, oh, you know, I used to do this with my uncle or whatever. Like, it's just these conversations start happening. Or maybe you go yeah. do a photo walk because you know that they like photography. So you bring a yeah. camera in and, and, and engage them in something they really enjoy doing first. And slowly, um, but relatively quickly, those walls start coming down. They start opening up. Mm -hmm. They build trust. And then you can start being able to set goals. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, uh, uh, children who come out of those traumatic situations who have, you know, been confronted with these kind of really dangerous situations or difficult situations have a real problem with seeing past that, I would imagine. And so having somebody really listening to them, uh, talking about, I mean, who really s speaks to them and and really just sits and listens like you're doing to things that are important to them. It's possible that they've never really had that kind of person in their life to be able to do that, or that it's been a really long time since they've had someone who's been able to do that for them. So that, that's really amazing. Um, I have a question about the trauma-informed, but I'm going to leave that for the advice part at the end. Um, sure. I want to talk a little bit about your I don't know if you would call it new project. You can tell us whether it's a new project or not. Um, Momentum, which you started. And I know that you have a first cohort that you're working with. Um, I'd love for you to tell us about what Momentum is and what gave you the idea, how it got started um, and you know how it works. Yeah, well, for one, I see a poster behind you, Practice Reckless Optimism. Yeah. And <laughs> I like that because I think it's so important and uh, valuable. Um, I grew up living in a funeral home at one point um, and something that for me was very difficult, but uh, paved a, a matter of perspective that I think is unrivaled. Like it, it's, it's something that's opened up the ability for me to be successful in helping other people develop that level of optimism, right? Wow. Um, but I, I do think that when uh, we're overly positive or um, optimistic all the time, that some other people take it to think that they're not operating efficiently or that if they're not happy or if they're not enjoying every day because they only see me post optimistic quotes and optimistic videos and these things that um, they think that that's sort of wrong. And to your original question about what momentum is, um, is that overall, what I wanted to get across was that that's all we can really do is build momentum towards our goals and towards our ambitions. And that that's really in life, the only thing we need to do to mm -hmm. feel uh, vitality and meaning and purpose and these things that, that help us live a more optimistic, positive life. Um, because what gets misconstrued, I think, a lot of the times is that the 
physical manifestations of goals or success or riches or uh, becoming the musician you want to become or the artist you want to be is what matters. But really what matters is the building momentum towards that. So as a sort of nickname, that's where it comes from. In terms of the uh, program itself, um, I've always had sort of my own dream of having uh, opening sort of a school or online learning opportunity where um, students, to put it one way, can learn um, where there's not that pressure of like, here's your quiz, here's your test, or yeah. here's your grade. Um, the D school at Stanford is a really good example of some of the inspiration for me where that came from. Yeah. And um, the Kellys who started the design school there, um, it was Steve Jobs who told them, make sure you don't have any phony degree behind this because you want it to be about the learning. Um, yeah. So I had hesitated for a long time because one of the things that I truly believe in when it comes to online business or uh, private schools, that kind of thing, is that putting out content for free and not holding back what you put out for free is really important. And I see a lot of online um, educators, uh, professionally or otherwise, online teachers, online courses and stuff that sort of has like that snake oil feel where it's like, well, this is just this little course to make money as quickly as possible. They drive Facebook ads to it. They make $7 million in a launch and then they go hang out on the beach for, for a year. There, <laughs> oh, there gosh, is a lot yeah. of those people out there. Yeah, but and, there's really no substance to it, right? Yeah, and in some ways, maybe they hope that it does help people, but they're not mm -hmm. there for the actual course, that kind of thing. You right. know, it's, it's just like, it's a course out there that you, it's built as a business. So I always struggled with this idea of, I don't really want to charge people, but what happened was, I realized that when I do put out YouTube videos and podcasts, I contribute to a sea, just like a massive ocean of free yeah. content. And what I started to recognize was that all of that's there. I don't even need to add to that in theory. It exists. If people want to self-learn, they can. So why aren't people pursuing their goals and their dreams? And I realized that giving um, a community back to belonging where people feel safe to uh, post questions or ask things within a community and also having contextual coaching for like what step should I take next or um, because of what I've been doing with youth in the classroom over the years to identify what's getting in the way and take the next steps towards achieving your goals and seeing a lot of success with it. But the other thing I realized was that in a lot of these success stories, it's taken like four years. Yes. So I've always known that slow growth is very important, especially if somebody is really struggling with confidence and self-esteem and lack of clarity and direction. Mm -hmm. And so if you put out an eight week course for the sake of making money, because it's going to help you achieve your dreams, it's just not going to work, right? It might be a good start. Um, and so for the sake of going too long winded with this answer, one of the okay. things that I started noticing was when I would help coach youth in the classroom and then let's say I work with them for two or three years and then they move on from our program. Um, I, I realized that on Instagram, they're sending a message or asking a question or it, it, you start to see that learning continue, which mm -hmm. is awesome. And then being able to support them. So um, with the idea of the, the momentum membership, it was, can I build something where people get to have sort of a life coaching 
dream building coaching, but it's not insanely expensive, but it does give them the feeling of commitment because they're paying and they're within this insulated yes. group. So I was trying to find the, the right way of, of building that. And I think it's getting close. So back to what you had mentioned that we have the first cohort. There's five people in the membership right now. And uh, right now we're focusing on mindset and mindfulness as the foundation to start setting our goals. Yeah. Yeah. All of, all of that is so important too. Everything that you're saying, um, especially for educators, but, but for everybody, I suppose, but especially for speaking about educators who might be looking for something of uh, trying to find their why to begin with and just understanding themselves. First of all, we don't feel like we have a lot of time to do that. We don't take care of sitting and reflecting. It's not something that comes to most of us naturally. And so, and, and then when we get to the end of the day, then we go home, we have our own personal lives to take care of. And so, you know, and then tomorrow's another day at work. So having somebody who is there to sort of support you, help you with resources, like you said, answer your questions, be able to reach out to later on. Uh, I think, you know, what, my dissertation was about the transfer of training from professional development to the classroom? Does it actually get used in the classroom? And you know, there's this whole big debate about how much money is spent on any kind of training, but especially for teachers. And if you don't have that ongoing support, it, it isn't gonna happen. Because I'll get into the classroom and I start using what I learned in my one hour or even full day learning experience, professional development experience, and it doesn't work out quite the way that I thought it was going to or the way that they described it. Who do I go to to ask a question? So this uh, model that you have of momentum where people uh, subscribe, which again, you, you said, gives uh, me a co commitment, right? I mean, if I, if I go to an event uh, for, and I don't have to pay for it and something comes up, I'm likely not going to go. But if I paid for the ticket, I probably will find a way to, to do it. So I, you know, I think it's a perfect model, but the fact that you're encouraging people. Now, do you have mostly teachers or do you have a variety of people in that first cohort? Are you catering to a certain group or, or just to whoever's interested in sort of achieving their dreams? It's that answer for one, whoever is yeah. interested in achieving their dreams for sure yeah. is the short answer. Now, in terms of business practice, if you go hire any good business coach, they're going to say that that would probably be so unclear and uh, you could struggle in terms of marketing or trying to build it. And the reason for building it on the business side of things that I've learned from my work in charity and stuff is that in order to have an impact, you have to be able to reinvest, right? So I've right. been operating at... Um, around minus $500 a month for all just the creative things that I've done for the last two years with no plan of monetizing at all, just for the sake of it's a, a hobby and I like helping people. Um, but what I've learned in the last few months is that if I can add that ability to actually have it fuel itself, then I can do things like um, I would love to add an app like Searchy, for example. What Searchy does is anytime I post a live stream, someone can search keywords within that video. And it'll pop yeah. to the moment that they do that, right? Wow. But it's, yeah. I think, around $100 a month. So, yeah. uh, you know, I added a, a texting platform yesterday, which is $50 USD a month. But to me, that was worth it at this point because now I can, you know, have this very 
close knit group of people that get supported through text messages. Like there's all these things that go in behind the scenes that people don't recognize. Right. right? Um, it, yeah. Sure. You could run it just in an email for free, but like I'm the believer that I invest in certain things. Um, like I use premiere pro for my video editing and stuff like that in any yeah. case. Um, so it is anyone um, and uh, who we have so far is really a, a mix of people. And one of the things that I believe strongly in, while it may not be a good business idea is staying true to your values uh, in life because you know, the, the money will come anyways. And so one of the values that I have, and it goes back to um, one of the learning gurus that I love is John Taylor Gatto's work. And um, the idea that, uh, or Ken Robinson for someone a little more modern and new, um, the idea that we don't learn in batches based on the year that we were born and that that has nothing to do with the point we're at on the learning curve uh, is fascinating to me. Also being able to have um, an 18 year old give advice to uh, a 60 year old is just really neat to me. And yeah. so I didn't want ages. Like, and people are like, no, you, you need to do it for like pick uh, you know, first year college, um, you know, females who want to succeed. A certain demographic, like, yeah. Yeah, get okay. very demo specific. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> like it's okay at yeah. the risk of uh, it not being a su successful business. Yeah. I I've built it in a manner that's it's sustainable and it's something yeah. that I can do um, regardless of that part. Yeah. Um, and what the deliverables are right now is essentially every Monday I post um, a learning video on the topic that we're currently talking about. And then there's a PDF. So basically like an activity, just one or two pages that goes along with that video. All the videos, I keep them under 10 minutes long. It teaches mm -hmm. the concept and then has the activity that they, they could do in the next uh, seven days. Because so I think it's very important in any online learning thing, which a lot of schools are struggling with right now, to not overwhelm in terms of volume, right? Like what's the most right. important topic this week? And then I'm um, giving people an opportunity to try and execute on that for a full week. Uh, so that's kind of how the style of it goes week to week, but then there are more macro things. So um, on the last Thursday of the month, we'll do a question and answer period. So I'll just go live in the group and then people could come on. And if it takes us three hours to, to answer questions, I don't care. We'll just go, you know, it's once a month we do that. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then the, the next month is what's called a brainstorm session. So we'll do that in zoom. And in that session, um, as opposed to it being like this top down question and answer period with me, it's getting into small groups and working together to bounce ideas off of each other. You know, if you had maybe had wanted to start um, something like an email newsletter or like working on whatever project you're working on, but now you can work on it very collaboratively with that dedicated moment in the group. And then the other thing I do, um, for the group is uh, six times a year. So every second month at least is bring a guest speaker in. So right now we're talking about mindfulness. And so I got somebody who is uh, an online mindfulness coach and she's going to take questions from the group and answer them. So, you know, it's, it's not always yeah. my voice. Right. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. That brings in so many different facets of the idea of coaching but uh, it's so participatory and it really, the accountability piece is basically that I'm buying in because I really want to do this. I, I see my progress 
And so I build up my confidence because my voice is being heard and um, be able to share with others as well as the coach. Um, and so, yeah, and I can see the connections to your life's work, uh, you know, what you've been doing and how you've, you've ha had that help you frame what you're doing um, in, in this momentum course, which is really amazing. So yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, you mentioned that you're a proponent of attachment parenting. And I was wondering if you could just sort of tell us a little bit about that and why that's so important, because that ties so much also to belonging. Yeah, and uh, sorry for always having other answers than your questions, but you just made me think of one thing I wanted to mention no, too okay. uh, before I do forget about the, yeah. uh, the the membership and this style to it, and that's that, um, as you mentioned about it being participatory, is that over time, people's goals and dreams evolve and shift and change as they should. Um, and I think that uh, what's so important is that it's the, the passion piece. And I always draw a pyramid that shows that the base is self-care, family and friends. And then above that, we have a passion that will really give us the most meaning and vitality in life, right? That'll right. make us uh, enjoy what we're pursuing. And what's yeah. so cool is that that could be a hobby, could be a job, could be a career, but what it's going to be is some makeup of those three things, right? And it evolves, especially people who, yeah. uh, I know someone was asking me about wanting to be a professional golfer and they've never golfed before. And I was like, awesome, oh, wow. so let's get started. And <laughs> within six great. months, that might be 1% of your, that might be 1% of how you're making money, but 99% is still gonna be your construction job. And over time that might shift and change. Point right. being though, you'll be adding golf elements to your life every day, which is, right you're going to see that shift in mental health around meeting and, and pursuit of passions. Um, I just didn't want to forget to mention that. No, that that's important. I'm, I'm glad you did. What we're Thanks. striving to, to learn in that, because I know a lot of people say, well, you know, you should do it just for people who want to learn guitar. I'm like, yeah, but that, that their, their true passion may change. Like we don't know. Right. And yeah. so it e evolves. The point is we're yeah. supporting each other in pursuing whatever the passion is at that time. Right. Um, so attachment parenting. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, one of these things that um, is very close to my heart. And if I cry about it, it's always happy tears. Um, but our oldest is um, adopted from, uh, and her birth mom was a teenager who really struggled with addiction mm -hmm. and homelessness. Um, and, you know, we haven't heard from in, in five years now. Um, and so I think, uh, growing up around foster care as well, we had, uh, probably over 40 foster siblings in our home over the years. Um, oh, wow. and, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, it's just been a part of life, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. um, it, it's just a natural part of how we grew up. And so then the work I do now as well, seeing it um, in our school, for example, with teen moms in that school, it's really, really neat because their babies come to school with them and they often stay there ninth grade, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Like they'll be there for four years of their high school education. So you get to know both these moms and their babies pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like uh, very uh, practically at the heart of what we do in our classrooms literally like 
I used to teach a course where the mom and baby would be in the class at the same time. Um, and so I think just in that sense, it's very close to the work that I do. Um, but I just know that it's so important to allow kids to feel safe as the foundation to learning. Or um, I feel strongly that one of the things that ties into all this work is we see t-shirts that say dream big or posters behind us that say dream big or put it on pencil cases or kids shoes and could go on and on. We see it all over the places, dream big, dream big, dream big. Yet so often people can't because they don't feel safe to do it. And so when you have that attachment piece, very secure and strong, it opens up the ability to, um, all of these things we're talking about pursue goals and feel vitality and meaning and go to bed at night and get a good night's rest knowing that you know tomorrow's going to be an exciting day like all those things are uh, recklessly optimistic but yes. important <laughs> yeah. and possible if the attachment is secure yes absolutely and and we see as teachers, you especially, because you're in that situation with high-risk uh, students, but all of us see that with students in our classrooms who have uh, either difficulties at home in their personal lives or have had difficulties with teachers or, or others, um, peers, and who f- uh, fail to really have that attachment and uh, that security, that safety, and that consistency. Um, and obviously that, that affects them negatively. And you can't learn if, if you're worrying about, if, you know, am I being accepted? Are, are people looking at me funny? You know, and all of those other things. So, um, so Justin, this has been really wonderful. I've learned so much and uh, it's so interesting, all the things that you're doing. Do you, I know you've already given us some advice, but is there anything else uh, from... Uh, either what you've said already or other things that you, you wanted to give us advice about to our listeners and to me? Well, it's funny. I mean, to not sound too personally cliche, I always use the hashtag just keep learning. And um, I think elaborating on that a little bit can be helpful for, for people because when I say just keep learning, a lot of people go to the brain, they think left brain, even maybe creative brain, but really what the reason for my developing that and starting to focus on it. And if I can tweet it out a thousand times in an hour, I would is recognizing that it's also the key to as much mental health and vitality as possible, because um, we don't know what the results of something are going to be. Even an interaction with a student, for example, you might try an approach and it doesn't work. Or if you're working with someone who, um, people might say have behavioral struggles or struggle with their emotions and you try something and they throw a shoe at you or tell you to (laughs) F off. Like just taking a learning stance all the time in everything we do is really uh, valuable and takes the pressure off of trying to take risks. So I think that's just the most important last piece that I like to leave people with is that notion that just keep learning is really the key to life as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we talk about lifelong learning um, and, you know, if you're going to talk about cliches, which they're, you know, I don't consider that cliche. It's something that we really all should put ourselves in the place of. And I, I love that, that that's how you, 
you know, that's the thing that you really wanted to, to end on is that just keep learning. Um, it, it has more meaning, I think, than just being a lifelong learner because it, it really means that every day that I wake up, I think to myself, let's see what I can learn today. And I think that's really wonderful. We all need to have that mindset. Um, and you could talk growth mindset and all of that, but if we just look at the microcosm of what we're presented with every day, the just keep learning is a, a wonderful hashtag. So I may start using it also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do. I appreciate that. And yeah, and just to go a little bit deeper on that, because I think it is just that helpful to people, is that um, Eckhart Tolle's work, like The Power of Now, or um, Abraham Hicks, who talks about the art of manifestation and not mm -hmm. thinking like, once I get the big car or once I learn to play the guitar, then I'm gonna be happy and that's why I'm working so hard. Right. It's like, just come back to the breath, come back to mindfulness, see your thoughts. Um, yeah. That all happens second to second if we're taking a learning stance in all of these difficult oftentimes interactions and I think that for me when I first tried to um, overcome my own mental health struggles because you know I had a psychologist was in the hospital you know depression anxiety myself mm -hmm. it, it just was so hard in the moment and whenever and whatever clicked in my brain a big part of it was getting into that stance of like whether it's learning about my own emotions or learning about the person who cut me off on the road and just giving me the finger it doesn't matter just continually being in awe and learning like a kid uh, would serve us all so well yeah yeah i i love that that's um like i said that's a, a wonderful way to to end and actually it's really not an ending it's a starting point i think and it should be our starting point all the time so Justin, thank you so much. Um, I could go, I could continue talking to you. There are so many other things that I'd love to know. So maybe we can, we can figure out a time to, to do this again. Um, where can people find you if they're, if they're looking for you? Sure. Um, so I use the handle at just tries on all social media. Um, I try to be on every platform. If there's a popular one um, that people are going to be there, again, maybe counterintuitive when some people say just pick one, but I just like to be present there in case somebody does want to send a message or has a question or wants to chat about anything. So um, at Just Tries in terms of social media and then our website, justkeeplearning.ca uh, is the sort of business website and then just tries.ca and so through any of those platforms or websites you can contact me anytime that sounds great thanks again justin this was really wonderful you touched my heart thank you thank you i really appreciate it and i'm sure it won't be the last conversation i hope not <laughs> thanks thanks Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, Journeys to Belonging, um, and the next episode will be out in two weeks. In the meantime, you can connect with me on Twitter at Eileen Winokur, I-L-E-N-E-W-I-N-O-K-U-R, or on Instagram at Eileen underscore W. And you can also find my blog uh, at the website https colon forward slash forward slash cultures dot build see you in two weeks mm -hmm.